I don't need that yet. <laughs> Good morning. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to be here this morning, to be able to come and celebrate Dad's birthday meant the world. But now we get to spend some time, as important as Dad is, doing something even more important. That's spend a little time with Jesus. When I, uh, when I told Dad I was coming, he said, well, I want you to come preach. The Lord has really, I have spent a great deal of time in, in, in the last year really focused on, on one question. The Lord's kept driving me back to this question time and time again. And, uh, and I think He's finally given me an answer and I want to share that with you this morning. This is what He's brought to me. Um, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask us to pray, and then I'm going to read a little bit out of the book of Philippians. So if you would bow with me and pray. Precious Savior, we come before you this morning so, so humbled as we sing praises to you, as we lift up your name, as we, as we revel in your presence. We are so moved and so humbled. And now we get to hear your very words, the very words from your breath, your holy scripture. My prayer this morning is that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would wash over us in these words in such a way that we will leave here not, not just excited, not just encouraged, but we'll leave here moved, we'll leave here shaken, we'll leave here stirred in a way that only you can do. And as for me, I'm just your vessel. I'm just the earthen pot that you will use for the next few minutes. So at your will, crush me. Because it's not my words. It's only yours. It's not my thoughts. It's your thoughts. So I just submit myself to you and I beg you to open all of our hearts that we will leave here renewed and changed and stirred in ways that we can't even imagine. We love you, and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First of all, you need to understand that I don't stand still very well. Okay? Um, I don't get much more excited about anything else than my wife and children except for Jesus. Right. And when I begin to speak, I have to move. My hands, my, I just, so I'm going to move. Put your head on a swivel. Get ready for it. Okay? Um, they're used to it. Good. Now, I want to show you my new phone. I got it about five months ago, and it's a handy little number. Just a simple little Samsung phone, but I can do pretty much everything I want on it. I can Facebook, and I can Twitter, and I can check my email, and I can do all that stuff. But, but last night, I got the, the Lord was showing me this thought, and I, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I've owned this phone for about five months. It was only released six months ago. And you know in those six months, just this one company's already released eight new phones. Eight new ones since December of 2009. My phone, while it's still useful, is now outdated. And I don't care what kind of Blackberry or Blueberry or whatever you happen to have in your pocket, it's outdated too. Unless you bought it this weekend, it's outdated pretty much, right? The reason that that intrigues me is because... I spend so much time in this. What's that? 
It still isn't outdated, is it? Do you realize that there hasn't been anything added to new to this since John gave us his vision of Revelation in about 95 A.D.? That means for about 1915 years, nothing new's been added. And yet it's more relevant today than my five-month-old cell phone. Put together through the Holy Spirit across 1,500 years, 40 different authors, and three continents. And it's still more relevant than my phone. It's still more relevant than Facebook. It's still more relevant than anything else I've ever known in my life. This is it. So this is where I want to turn this morning. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter number 3. An extraordinary familiar verse of Scripture. This last year, every time I study in my personal study time, almost every day, I keep coming back to the question, what is different between the church today and I don't mean High Point Church or, 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 or my church back home. I mean the church as a whole. What is different between the church today and the early church? The church we know in the book of Acts. And about a year ago, I started studying the book of Acts. Word by word. Line by line. Sentence by sentence. Paragraph by paragraph. I've read the book of Acts and I don't know how many different versions of Scripture... And I keep coming back to these questions. What's the difference? Why do we seem almost impotent today in comparison to the church then? So naturally, studying Acts for so long, the Lord's brought me to Philippians. Because that makes all the sense in the world. But here's where the answer lies. Philippians chapter 3, I want to begin in verse number 3, and I'm going to read down through verse number 14. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Blameless. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and he could stand and boldly declare he was blameless under the law. We can't say we're blameless since this morning, can we? I've done a pretty good job this morning. I don't think I've sinned too much. But i got to be honest with you, laying in bed this morning at 4.01 when somebody called my cell phone and it went off, I didn't feel saved. And I didn't feel real Christian like at 4.01 a.m. when my phone was ringing beside me. I haven't done a good job just this morning. That's our sinful nature. But Paul could stand under the law and say, I'm blameless. Bring anybody. They can't lay charge against me. This is his resume. He goes on to say in verse 7, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss 
for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. If you study that out in the Greek, it's actually dung. In order that I may gain Christ. This man had achieved things that no one else could. He was the very best of the very best. And he counted it all as rubbish just to have Christ. And verse 9 says, And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Don't lose that sentence. Now verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Don't think of that word perfect. Think of it as complete. The actual derivative there is complete. Okay? He's not been made complete. It's not that I'm already complete. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me His own. Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is an extraordinarily familiar verse of Scripture. We've all heard it. We've heard it preached hundreds of times. And I really want to, for the next few minutes, bring your focus to just two things. Two things. In verse 13, beginning in verse 12, Paul said, Paul said, not that I have already attained or am already complete. In other words, I'm not there yet. But I press on that I may, listen carefully, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. The Apostle Paul was blameless under the law. Okay? You have to understand the Apostle Paul was accosted on the road to Damascus. He didn't ask for that to happen. He wasn't looking for that to happen. And under the law, he was standing perfectly blameless. And Jesus Christ accosted him, invaded his life. And from that moment, the totality of Paul's life is this. He was chasing after Jesus. That's what he spent his whole life doing. From Damascus on, he never stopped. That's why he said... I press on that I may lay hold of. He was chased. It was almost like a game of tag. On the road to Damascus, he was accosted, and it was almost like Jesus turned and walked away. And the Apostle Paul spent the rest of his life going, No, 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 come on back here. I got, I, and he spent his whole life chasing after Jesus that he may obtain what he called in verse 11 the resurrection of the dead. Now my question to you is this. What are you chasing? Because we're all chasing something. 
We are all chasing something. What are you chasing? Are we chasing positions or titles or or wealth or love? We're all chasing something. Paul understood and he counted everything as rubbish to chase only Jesus. David's message, his lesson this morning, it was so perfect when he asked the question. I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but, but if, if showing your faith were a crime this last week, could somebody have convicted? How might someone have noticed my faith this week? If it were a crime for our faith this last week, could somebody have convicted you on your actions? Mm, that question hurts, don't it? Mm. That one hurts a little. At 4.01 this morning, you could not have convicted me on my faith when my phone rang. I assure you. The Apostle Paul lived every minute of every day of his life chasing after Jesus in such a way that he could have been convicted for his faith. In fact, he was, he was beaten for his faith. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was whipped. He was thrown in jail without any kind of a trial. And then when he said, oh, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen, they, they tried to quietly get him out of jail and get him out of town. Day in and day out, the Apostle Paul's life declare clearly that he was chasing after Jesus Christ. And it was all that mattered. So I have to come back again and ask, is that all that matters in our lives today? Because I think that if it is, the church today begins to look differently than it does and begins to look maybe like the church then. The other thing I have to ask you this morning is this. In verse 13 it says, Brother, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting. Forgetting. This is one the church has missed as a whole. We've all missed this one. We don't forget. We don't forget. Let me let me. Well, I brought a visual aid. I'm just going to, have to show it to you this morning to help you understand what it is I'm trying to say. When the apostle Paul was accosted. When he became a believer on the road to Damascus, he clearly said everything he had ever thought, everything he had ever strived, and you should study his life, what he had to go through just to become one of the religious leaders of the day. The schooling was intense. He could quote almost the entirety of what we know as the Old Testament. He had to be able to quote it. We didn't get chapters and verses until just a few hundred years ago. So if... I wanted you to open somewhere then. I wouldn't say open to 2 Samuel chapter 10. I would say open to where it begins. After this, the king of the Ammonites died and Hunan his son reigned in his place. That's all I would say. And the Apostle Paul would know exactly where that was. Some days we can't find it if I tell you open to 2 Samuel chapter 10. Come on, be honest. We all can't fly. We all have our days. You got that one book of the Bible you can never find? Okay? 
He had to know it in here. Paul had to achieve so much and, and work so hard to get to where he got to. And then in a moment, he counts it all as rubbish. It's nothing. Because he got a clear picture of Christ. He got a clear picture of the sacrifice that was made for him. And he spent his entire life chasing after that. And that alone. Now what about this forgetting? Here's what happens to us. i got to come down here. At some point in our Christian walk, before we're Christians, we... We, we come to an altar, we stand at our pew, and we raise our hands and, you know, and we give ourselves to the Lord. And we, Lord, I'm, I'm available. What, whatever you need, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And we enter the Christian service. What's happened in our churches over the last 50 or 100 years is this. After we make that commitment, we begin to serve, we begin to learn, we read, we're being preached to, and then the Holy Spirit comes along. Says it's time for you to step up. It's time for you to get on the go. So here's what we do. Okay, Lord, Lord calling me into service. So, so I, I, I'll pick something like this up. And I've got to take this with me to go into service. This is, this is my dreams before I became a Christian. The things I wanted to accomplish. I want to take those with me. They might still happen. You never know. And then this one, well, this one's some grudges that I had. These are some secrets that I really don't want to tell. And there's some sin in this one. There's maybe a little pride. That makes it heavy. And then I got one more that I have to grab. You ever see that television commercial, the couple that come in and they're sunburnt and they drop the luggage and fall face down on the bed and start mumbling and what you know. I saw that commercial and that this is immediately what I thought. This is how we go into service because we don't want to forget. Paul forgot everything. He laid it all aside and we don't want to forget. So now the Holy Spirit says, okay, it's time for you to serve. You know what? Holy Spirit begins to guide you that there's somebody over there or over there they're hurting emotionally. And you know what? I want you to come alongside them. Won't you walk with them for a few months? Put, put your arm around them and love on them through this hard time. Well, how am I supposed to walk alongside somebody if I'm carrying all this baggage? How am I supposed to put my arm around somebody and help them if I'm busy carrying my own junk? We can't do it, can we? And the Lord says, you know what? I'm getting ready to move in your midst. We've been moving along slowly. I'm ready to kick the doors open. You're going to have to run to keep up. How am I going to run like this? This is what we do. We all come to Christ with baggage. You're not special. I'm not special. We all come to Christ with baggage because we all have... It's our sinful nature. It just is what it is. Okay? And if you don't think you have a sinful nature, you were born with it. Even my sweet, 
His sweet, innocent grandchildren have a sweet, sinful nature. When the baby's two, and he goes into the kitchen, picks up the cookie he's not supposed to have, a mom comes around the corner, and he's got crumbs running down both cheeks and all down the front of his shirt, and she says, did you get a cookie? What's he do? Hides it behind his back? Nope. While he's chewing. Mm. He didn't go to class at two to learn how to lie. He didn't go to class to learn how to be devious at two. That's his sinful nature coming out. We all lied about the cookie at two. We were born into sin. There's no way around it. But the Apostle Paul forgot. When he understood the sacrifice that Christ made, when he understood that it was Christ's blood poured over the mercy seat and not the blood of an animal, and it was forgiveness forever, he understood that I could lay it all down and forget and walk away. That's why he said, forgetting those things. Now here's what's important to understand. The enemy will always try to make you pick them up. He always, he'll use anything. He'll use your marriage, your, your first marriage, your, your first boyfriend, your first girlfriend, uh, something you did stupid in high school where everybody does something stupid. He'll use anything he can if emotionally he can get you to walk back over there and pick something up. Anything he can. This is, he's got nothing new. He'll do anything to get you to pick up your own baggage. And we as a church, we as Christians, we spent the last hundred years going back and picking up our own baggage. And it's time to forget. And it's time to leave it. And it's time to move on and chase only Jesus. We have to get this. Because if we don't, we won't make disciples. We'll be lucky to survive. So many Christians think coming to salvation is the finish line. Oh, I've made it. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Thank God. I got a newsflash, folks. It's like orders from headquarters. Salvation is not the finish line. Salvation is the starting gate. You've just started. Lay it down. You don't have time to carry it. You don't have, God's got things He wants us to do. He can't call us into those things if we're worried about baggage, if we're carrying baggage. We must take the example of the Apostle Paul and forget it. Understand it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. If we will do this, the Lord will move in our lives in ways that we have never dreamed. But it's difficult for Him to move when we're so busy with our own junk. We've got to leave it. Verse 12 said, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. What does it look like to chase after Jesus? 
Is it happening today? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. I'm going to give you two examples. This is May 2nd of this year. Well, today's June 6th, just over a month ago. Evangelist Ravi, Ravi Murmu, excuse me, and members of his team in Laxmanpur, India, showed the Jesus film. On the way home, he departed from his team and took a shortcut to his house. When he failed to reach his home late that evening, a search ensued. They found his dead body with his right hand cut off and deep cut wounds on his neck and other parts of his body. He was dead. Interestingly enough, though, they didn't take his belongings, his motorbike, his cell phone, his watch, or even his Bible. It wasn't a robbery, gone bad, or anything else. It was them persecuting somebody that had showed the Jesus film. And he gave his life a month ago. He was chasing after Jesus. Willing to give what Abraham Lincoln called the full measure of sacrifice. Not for his country. For his Savior. One more. This was May 24th. This is a week ago. A week and a half ago. In June of 2008, Kapa Lot was arrested in Vietnam and taken into custody for publicly expressing his Christian faith. That was the charge. He proceeded to spend the next two years in jail. It probably wasn't like the jail we have here. I'm just guessing. He was regularly beaten. And apparently it is reported that what's customary is that if someone is approaching death because they've been beaten in jail, they release them before they die so they didn't die in the custody of officials. He was released on April 30th and died just within hours. Then, in, in his last breath, he told his wife what happened. And, then now, and now, at this point the police have brought his wife to the local police precinct and they have forced her or they're in the process of forcing her to sign over her the custody of her children. She spoke out about his last words. Remember, this all started because he publicly professed his faith in Christ. He publicly chased Jesus. Spent two years in jail, regularly beaten, released just with hours of dying from a beating, and now his wife is being forced to sign over the children to the state because she publicly spoke out about what his final words were. Folks, this is two weeks ago. This is people on display for us today, chasing Jesus. Do you understand that if you can go to jail and go to prison for your Christian faith, 
you better know where your rocket is. You better be anchored. And you don't have time to be holding baggage when that's coming. And just in case that's too far out there in Vietnam or in India. Three weeks ago, on the streets of London, a 42-year-old Baptist preacher was arrested because he said publicly in the book of 1 Corinthians, or in the book of Corinthians is the way he said it, homosexuality is a sin. He said it and he went to jail three weeks ago on the free streets of London. Ladies and gentlemen, we must chase Jesus and nothing else. Nothing else will do. We, we, we can't afford to be carrying baggage. We have to lay it down. We have to understand what it is to forget. We have to understand what it is. As Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And then he finished it with, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's interesting if you study Jesus' life, the only real time, that, and you have to study the Greek words to understand, it's like love. You know, we have love for everything. Okay, love means, you know, to hear me talk, you can't tell the difference of how much I love a Diet Coke versus my wife. Because it's the same word over and over again. Just love, okay? If you study the word joy, the only time that Christ Himself was really joyful, you'll find it in Luke, I believe Luke chapter 10, when the, they returned, when the 70 returned, or, or when the 12, and they were excited because, oh, we cast out demons and we stepped on serpents. And, and He said, that's fine. But your joy should be found in that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's where Jesus was truly joyful because He was telling them, this is what makes... That kind of sounds like Paul saying, I press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, all I'm chasing is the fact that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Paul was saying the same thing Christ was telling them back then. He was just saying it in a different way. He was telling them, this is what matters. Where's your eternity? What is your focus? What is your future? Is it Jesus or is it baggage? We have to decide. And we have to make these decisions today. Because Christ wants to move. And He wants to use us to do it. This is why the Apostle Paul could write to Timothy. And say, Timothy, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. But I've fought the fight. I've kept the faith. In other words, I've reached my goal. What he was talking about right here, he knew they were getting ready to separate his head from his shoulders, and he knew that up to this point he had been faithful. And he could tell Timothy, I'm done. They can pour me out. It doesn't matter. I've reached my goal. I'm there. And when they take my head, because of my faith in Christ, I will have done what He wanted me to do, and I forgot it all, and I spent all of my life chasing Him. That's what Paul's whole life is about. This is what our lives need to be about. And if they're not, and if we can't see that in ourselves, we need a fresh view of the cross. That's right. We need to get up real close and 
real personal and understand that the sacrifice was made for me and for you. And he did it because he loved us. Amen. Would you stand? In closing, i got to ask, what are you chasing? What is it you're chasing today that might be more important than Jesus? What is it that's in your life right now? Maybe not all the time. Maybe just some of the time. What is it in your life that's more important than Jesus? It's baggage. And whatever the enemy's using on you, to occupy your time and your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings, you have got to give it to Christ and forget it and let Him take care of it. He's already paid the price. The blood's already been shed. The sacrifice has already been made. He was the offerer and He was the offering. And He did it for you. We must focus on chasing Christ, chasing Jesus. If we will do this, He will be the fulfillment of our lives. And He will use us as individuals, as a church, as a body, in ways that we've never imagined. And all we have to do is like the Apostle Paul, set our minds and set our hearts to put it all away, to forget it all, and he said, this one thing I do. And he finished it by saying, I press on for the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Are you chasing Jesus? That's my question. Let's pray. Hmm. Precious Jesus, Savior.